Hey kids, what time is it? Time for another episode of Brio TV, the podcast. I'm your host, Bill Brio. This episode is brought to you by Super Channel, providing viewers with exceptional value and variety, CTV, which urges you to get into it, and Hollywood Suite, home of the best movies of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Did you know that the doomsday clock, the symbol that represents how close we are to a man-made global catastrophe, has never been set closer to midnight? That's right, comrade. Just one reason why you should watch We're All Gonna Die, even Jay Baruchel. The six-episode Crave original just premiered and can be screamed right now. The series looks at various end-of-the-world scenarios that are, sadly, keeping more and more of us up at night. They are an asteroid Armageddon, a nuclear catastrophe, a pandemic pandemonium, an alien invasion, a volcanic cataclysm, and, my favorite, a climate apocalypse. Walking us through each half hour is our old pal and previous podcast guest, Jay Baruchel, who worries about this stuff so we don't have to. And don't forget, Jay once starred in a movie titled, This is the End, so he is an expert on doomsday scenarios. Watch as he visits bomb shelters and the dinosaur exhibit at the ROM Museum in Toronto, among other places, to illustrate things that went wrong in the past. He also meets with top scientists, activists, and experts in their respective fields, highlighting the cutting-edge science, ideas, and technological innovations at the forefront of the defense of humanity. So it's not all doom and gloom, with a message that, despite recent headlines, there is hope that humans can come together to make the world a better place. I spoke with Jay at the end of April via Zoom. So here he is. Jay, good to see you again. Likewise. Thank you for having me, as always. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, I loved it. I, I uh, It scared the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> thank you for doing that. It's, a, it's, a, it's really riveting television, and uh, congratulations. Um, should I even bother to get new summer tires? You know, I mean, how... <laughs> Right, like, <laughs> always. That's just that's just being that's just your civic duty. That's just being a good neighbor. I appreciate that uh, endorsement there. Uh, listen, you shot this, I, I assume, prior to the invasion of Ukraine. Um, would would the doomsday clock be set uh, to like about you know sixty seconds to twelve now? Yeah, I mean. Uh... <laughs> Vladimir Putin certainly not helping. Right. Um, yeah. I. Um, yeah. We we shot all of the uh, that nuclear episode long before the yeah Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's scary. There's uh, there's a lot to be scared of. You know. Um, and and you know I'm no expert, so it doesn't matter my opinion on what Putin whether or not I think he, he means what he says. But regardless. Right. It is something that is uh, really awful language, uh, especially when you know uh, how on the razor's edge we already were before this. You know, well, we, we already have way too many nukes across this planet and there's already too many sort of problem spots where they could be used. Uh, and so these awful statements he makes are kind of served on a, on a plate that already had way too much bad shit on it. 
Well, the the uh, second episode shows just the uh, fallout from a couple of nuclear attacks uh, over India and uh, how that wrecks everything for the environment everywhere. Uh, it's very, very sobering. Um, do, uh, Jay, do you think the last two years um, has just tilted things for a lot of us in terms of we're all um, feeling less hopeful, uh, you know, that dreams are being quashed a bit and and that, that you know that this is a, a sobering time right you know it's certainly hard to like get psyched about stuff like i i you know you're you're you would be very very reasonable if your faith in uh institutions if your faith in people if your faith in us as a species if all of that is 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 being tested it it, it well it bloody well should be <laughs> Um, there's a, there's a lot to be, uh, depressed about. Um, but I would argue that the ratio is exactly the same as it ever was. And I think there's, I think there's as much stuff to be scared about as there is enough cause, um, to be, uh, heartened, uh, and, 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 and people to be inspired by, it. you know, and I, I think it's always been less positive. There's been more negative than positive. There's always more shit than good. Um, I just think, uh, we're all at home and we live in an era where we just uh, ingest way more data than we ever have on a day-to-day basis. True. We'll be right back with more from Jay Baruchel in just a moment. once again to check in with our friend from Hollywood Suite, Emily Gagne. Emily, what do you got for us this month? Well, first off, I want to wish you a very happy Mystery May, Bill. Thank Um, you. You're welcome, because Hollywood Suite is on the case with some of the best mysteries of all time. You know, we've got Double Indemnity coming. We've got Blowout, the original Cape Fear film, uh, Silence of the Lambs, No Country for Old Men, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You name it, we got it. Wow, that's a great, great list. Okay, now, what else? Have you got a new series coming up in May? Well, we do have the continuation of Into the Dark, which is Blumhouse's horror anthology exclusive to Hollywood Suite in Canada. And uh, we have two Mother's Day films coming from that, uh, Delivered and All That We Destroy, which stars Samantha Mathis, uh, a star that I don't think we talk about enough. Right. Well, listen, there you have it. Really scary movies and celebrate Mother's Day. So just don't scare mother, but watch Hollywood Suite in May. Thanks, Emily. Thank you, Bill. Here once again is Jay Baruchel. Do you think, I mean, you you just turned 40. Is is being a bit older make you more reflective of these things, or did you always uh, have an eye on this? Oh, always. I've I've always been like... my interests have always leaned pretty kind of morbid or, or fatalistic or, or whatever you want to call it is something I've thought about my, uh, my whole life. It's, and uh, um, so, but if anything, turn, turning 40, the, like the older I've gotten uh, the sort of happier and more hopeful I've gotten, which just means that like, uh, like it had this effect. It's age has an effect on me personally of just making me incredibly grateful, but also making me aware that, um, you know, when you're a kid and, 
you know, Saturday versus Sunday. Saturday, you feel you have the whole weekend, Saturday morning. Sunday, you're like, oh, man, I'm in school the next day, right? So so get, getting older for me has been this kind of Sunday morning of like, well, if I'm going to read comic books, I better start now. Because <laughs> I got to be in school tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like, and so it's made me just kind of cherish this time that we have and this like sounds super hokey, but this like the fragility of life is what makes it valuable. And I never appreciated until I, you know, got to my thirties and certainly getting to 40, I was like, uh, yeah, very, very aware that there's only X amount of calendar days for any of us. And so I just want to uh, make sure that uh, I, I get the most out of them. Well, it's a good message. I think of my son is 29, my daughter 32. You know, they're the ones I worry about in terms of future. You know, I've had a good run here, but uh, you want to have more runway for those guys. Yeah. And um, your thoughts probably go that direction as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... I don't know how much more or less opportunity there is for anybody now than there was 40 years ago. I, I'm not qualified to answer that. That's not me saying there is or there isn't. I just don't know. What I know is that there is some stuff that's incredibly unfair that kids now are dealing with that they didn't have to necessarily. Now, maybe there's other versions of that. But I, I think that, like... um if you, again, here, I'm going to get super hokey, but if you play by the rules and you pay your taxes and you queue up in line and you save your money and you work hard, you should be able, it, it shouldn't be a privilege to own your the roof over your head. I, 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 I as silly as that sounds, I think yeah. that that's like, you know, that should be, if you, if you hold up your end of the social fucking bargain, the social contract, that's that's something you should be guaranteed. And and now that it's just not and that it's like a um, that, you know, that, that, that it is a given that you won't be able to like that is a profound dysfunction that uh, that no one that I don't think, you know, kids now should have to deal with. But, yeah. but by the way, like kids 40 years ago had a bunch of other shit like to, to worry about that. They don't now, you know, like the 90s was like pretty lean times in this country so uh so anyway so i don't know know. same as it ever was or what don't touch that red button we'll be back with more end of the world insights from jay baruchel well may is finally upon us and that means one thing in tv land season and series finales. CTV has plenty of them, and do you have a pen and pencil handy? Because here's a list. The goodbyes start on Thursday, May 5th with the season finale of Call Me Cat. The next night, Friday, May 6th, say aloha for another season of Magnum P.I. Blue Bloods ends its 12th season that same night. On Monday, May 16th, tune in for the season finale of 911 Lone Star, a big hit for CTV this season. Wednesday, May 18th, will bring a season finale for a whole whack of shows, including The Goldbergs, The Masked Singer, The Wonder Years, The Connors, and The Good Doctor, so a lot of shows that have the in the title. Now, be warned, on Thursday, May 19th, you're going to see young Sheldon struggle to cope with the first signs of puberty. Go, Sheldon! On Tuesday, May 24th, it will be time to say goodbye for good to the Pearsons on the series finale of This Is Us. The 24th also brings the final episode of Bull, and that's no bull. 
Finally, on Thursday, May 26th, it's the 480th season ender for Grey's Anatomy. I remember way back when that show first became a talkie. Get into it all this May on CTV. And we're back. Um, quickly, uh, uh, how spooky is that decommissioned bunker in Ottawa? Yeah, um, all, all the spookier for thinking about conversations Diefenbaker might have had with his mother's painting or whatever. Or is that King? I don't know. I feel like they both might have talked to mother's painting. But, but uh, King, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was King. All right. Um, I think probably Diefenbaker had some weird. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, 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 you know, um, you know, at the very end, and maybe that was where he decided to sing the Avro Arrow program, but uh, no, it is, it is, uh, it is very creepy, Um, you know, super cool though, but all the creepier for being like a relic of a different era stylistically and technologically. Like you, you, you very much walked down there into Dr. Strangelove. John Diefenbaker was Canada's prime minister from 1957 to 1963. So he was our guy back when the Cuban Missile Crisis pushed things to the brink of nuclear war. The four stories deep Diefen Bunker in Ottawa is now open to visitors as Canada's Cold War Museum. It was built between 1959 and 1961 and was active as a Canadian Forces station until 1994. One of the experts Baruchel meets down there for this series is Dr. John Clearwater, a nuclear historian and strategy researcher. Baruchel tells Clearwater he's starting to get defenbummed. I confess at 38, I haven't seen it be a sort of front page issue since I was in elementary school. To the point where I mistakenly thought that we were somehow in a post-nuclear world. People thought it went away, but it didn't go away, Jay. It metastasized. It was like a cancer. It spread. And since 1991 and the end of the Cold War, we've seen a growing number of weapons in a growing number of countries and places. So even though the USA and the USSR or Russia now have dramatically lowered their arsenals, less than half of what they had in the 1960s. Really? Oh, yes. But all the newest missiles and delivery systems, all run by the best computers, all now able to pinpoint target something. So they've got less, but they're scarier, if you will. They're far more lethal. They're far more lethal, and they can be launched in a matter of minutes. So, uh, which leads me to my next question, which is, how would you characterize the current state of nuclear risk? I would say that it's high, the highest it's been since the height of the Cold War, and worse, it's high while being invisible. During the height of the Cold War, Everybody knew. They saw it. They were out in the streets protesting it. They saw it as something that could take them, their families, their friends, and their societies with less than an hour's notice. Nowadays, the spread and growth of nuclear technology is very real, very underreported. And that's why I think it's important what the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist has done with their doomsday clock. Jay, do you think that comedy plays a role in um, diffusing tensions and maybe waking up people. Uh, You know, you show clips from Team America, which is a funny movie, but uh, is there something to laughing, uh, whistling in the graveyard, or could comedy have an impact or make change, do you think? 
Absolutely. And I, and I hate to, I try not to kind of um, build up comedy and, and, and imbue it with qualities of like medicine or something, but you're, you're completely right. At the very least, it's a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Right. Um, but, but I also think that um, it makes survival easier. Right. I, I, I am the meaning of life is to keep going, to stay alive. And so whatever we can do to make that more palatable and make that more likely, I think, uh, you know, so I think that when we deal with some really awful stuff, you can kind of wilt in the face of it and let it have, you know, get the best of you. Yeah. Or you can take the piss out of it and bring it down to below your level and you might find a way to get through it. Well, keep taking the piss out of it. We'll be right back with more from Jay Baruchel in just a moment. Fans of true crime are going to love Friday nights this month on Super Channel. Fridays at 7 is Heartland Homicide, where viewers will discover what happens when big city crimes visit small-town America. These are true crime dramas where viewers learn the culprit's motives through the residents, reporters, and police officers who covered the story. Then at 8 p.m., Sex, Lies, and Murder delves into chilling true cases of relationships in which broken intimacy has led to murder. In one episode, a steamy online romance ends in murder after it comes to light. In another, a wife's torrid affair with her pastor ends with her husband killing them both. Who's going to hear that confession? All episodes of each series are available to binge anytime on Super Channel On Demand. And remember that Super Channel is available with most cable providers right across the country, as well as streaming on Amazon Prime Video Channels and Apple TV+. Here once again is Jay Baruchel. Quickly, the Meteor episode, the very first one, what was the most alarming thing you learned there? And you talked to a lot of bright, interesting people. What what scared you that and that one the most? Oh, um, just like the potential repercussions of a city killer. Like that term and that vocabulary they use of city killer, planet killer, like just knowing what that would do to us and everything that comes after. Right. Like, you know, uh, knowing the world that, you know, the dinosaurs inhabited, but that world in, in, in the immediate hours and days and weeks after that asteroid hit um, in, in the Yucatan, I think. Um, yeah. Just uh, a, 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 an increasingly bleaker and bleaker uh you know, fetid light, you know, fetid planet where where uh, there's there's no light, and so photosynthesis stops, and so there's nothing for herbivores to eat, so there's nothing for carnivores to eat, and just watching this miserable slow crawl to demise, right? Like it is not the end of a movie. I think like people seem to be fine accepting something if it's like finite and it's some, something kind of definitive and, and, and relatively quick when it's something long and drawn out that is just m- every day more miserable than the last that that's something that is like that's something that should horrify everybody in episode one of we're all gonna die 
Jay visits paleontologist Dr. David Evans at the Royal Ontario Museum. As every Ontario school kid knows, that's where they have an awesome collection of dinosaur bones. Dr. Evans explains what happened on that horrible day thousands of years ago when a giant asteroid struck the Earth and triggered a series of catastrophes that wiped out a whole lot of stuff, including all the dinosaurs on the planet. Pretty much everything goes extinct eventually. Awesome. Welcome to the paleontology collections here, Jay. Holy smokes. Could you walk us through what that day would have been like when the asteroid hit? Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the worst days in the history of the planet. A asteroid that was over 10 kilometers across, it's basically half the size of Manhattan Island, struck the Earth in the Yucatan Peninsula and impacted with a force of more than 10 billion atomic bombs like exploded at Hiroshima. 10 billion yeah. Hiroshima. What a fucking garbage fire. So the crater that it caused was over 100 miles across. Jesus. It would have caused a shockwave. Winds at the epicenter would have been over 1,000 kilometers an hour. Shortly thereafter, there would have been a heat pulse. The heat was over 10,000 degrees Celsius. It's hotter than the surface of the sun. After that, you would have had the tsunamis. In hours, dust would have absorbed and reflected the sun's rays. The globe would have basically turned black. Right. And this is what really had an impact. Your plant-based ecosystems collapsed because all the plants couldn't get enough light to survive. Because of the sunlight being blocked, temperatures just plunged 25 degrees Celsius. It would be an absolute hellscape. And the pandemic episode is the third one, I believe, right? Um, That must be quite sober. I've only seen the first two are available, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Man, you're busy. You're doing all kinds of things, directing uh, out in the East Coast there with all those guys. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it sounds like you're getting it all in before the world ends. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tell tell me that wasn't the, you know, Malcolm McDowell, good for you. The new Kids in the Hall series. So congrats on all all of that. Uh, And then finally, here's the last question. I know you got to run. Um, will the world end if the Leafs get eliminated in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? The world will end if they make it through. (laughs) (laughs) You set that up for me on a silver platter. Uh, 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 No, it is the natural order of things. I don't want to live in a world where they make it to round two, and I don't think most Canadians want to see that either. Okay, well, there we have it. Uh, You speak for all of us, uh, Jay. Have a great rest of your day. It's lovely to see you again. And congrats. This is a great show. Thanks, Bill. Always a pleasure, pal. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Jay Baruchel is one busy dude these days. He was locked in a long schedule promoting We're All Gonna Die when I spoke with him. Plus, he's been hosting LOL, Last Comic Laughing Canada, directing Son of a Critch out on the East Coast, and is also one of the guest stars in the new Kids in the Hall series coming later in May on Prime Video. So, I did not get to ask him what I normally ask every podcast guest, which is, name your all-time favorite TV theme song. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pick one of his TV theme songs to talk about here. From 2015 to 2017, Baruchel starred on Simon Rich's outrageous romantic comedy, Man Seeking Women. 
It was shot in Toronto and featured folks such as Eric Andre, Mark McKinney, Robin Duke, and fellow podcast guest Ennis Esmer. The main title sequence was quite striking with all these doodles of trolls, trains, chainsaws, hand grenades, frowning condoms, skulls, ray guns. It was all animated on an ever-shifting black-and-white grid by a company called Digital Kitchen. It was really well described by this website, uh, what was it called, Art of the Title. They uh, they called it, they called it, uh, it looked like the twitchy love child of Keith Haring and Tex Avery. The music, an experimental, turntable-ish digital score by young musician Fote, was a perfectly offbeat fit. Thanks, as always, to Phil Hong for producing this podcast. I'd also like to give a shout-out to Katie Brio, who did the graphic design at the main Brio TV site. Thanks as well to everyone listening. If you liked what you heard, please spread the word with a like or a review. A review. And don't mention that I stumbled on the word review. And remember, you can always catch up on TV news and reviews daily at Brio.tv. I'm Bill Brio. Thanks for listening.